0: You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. And now,
1: live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick.
2: Out of the gate, JT with you on Raider Nation Radio. Hope you're having a great day. And we got a big one lined up today. Can't wait to tell you what we have if you're not following us on twitter you could get an uh, advanced copy of what we're doing our rundown before the show begins brought to you by pts the best happy hour in town as they are rolling now with every location open i love sierra gold on jones you'll find me there all the time the sg bar at the top of flamingo uh, not too far from my home and any location during march madness as always and especially the golden night games as happy hour hits Right as those games are starting, and if you stay to the end, you hit another happy hour, 5-7, to midnight to 2, the best, best happy hour in town. Big show today. Yannick Ngakwe joins us at 1 o'clock, the new defensive edge rusher from the Raiders, and that's the guy that I've been calling for. Okay, so a lot of people say, that's my guy. He's my guy. No, this is my guy. That's the guy that I've been telling you. You know, for all the people that say, JT, you don't get everything right. You know, people want me to be perfect. You know, even on social media, I'm not perfect. I got that one right. Yannick Ngakwe, the guy I believe could change the Raiders quickly if he plays at a very high level, and I'll ask him that. What's it going to take to get Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl dominant level where he can dominate football games and be a great Raider? Also, we'll talk to Solomon Thomas, who gets another shot at his career, the former Number three pick overall now comes to the Raiders in this defensive line. He'll join us at 145. And I'm really looking forward to talking to Steve Sylvester at the bottom of this hour. One of five Raiders, only five, to have all three Super Bowl rings. Cliff Branch, may he rest in peace, would love this trivia question because I saw Cliff pull it off a number of times. Cliff, with his three Super Bowls, they would ask Cliff, the question, who has the three? And Cliff would always wait for the final one that nobody could get, and they should have been able to. Steve Sylvester, he'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Once a Raider, always a Raider, as we hit the ground running. This has been a big week. March Madness, Kevin Kruger uh, got the deal over at UNLV, which we're really happy about. And then I think another big story, Marcus Mariota is back with the silver and black. And I'll lead with that. As Vinny Bonsignor has the cover story today at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Mariota agrees to restructure deal. And they came to an agreement on him to stay. Mariota was slated to make $10.7 million in the final year of his two-year deal he signed last year. Proving once again, ladies and gentlemen, that contracts aren't guaranteed. It doesn't matter what you sign for. All that matters is what you're guaranteed. What was the signing bonus What are you going to make? Marcus made a lot of money last year, and he didn't play. He played in one game, and he played at a high level. Oh, and the Raiders lost that game, where remarkably, they had first and goal at the four. First and goal at the four in overtime. All Mariota had to do was run the ball four times or three times or two times, and they would have won the game. They didn't do that, and then they kicked a field goal, And Justin Herbert went down the field and beat them. And when you look at that game, when I sit back and I look at what happened in this game, I was in shock. First and goal at the four-yard line, and they weren't able to win that game. So why didn't they win the game? Marcus played really good. I thought he played really well in that game. The problem was, when you look at what he did throughout that game there, he was able to run, but the rest of the league only saw him play a minimum amount of snaps. And I think if the rest of the league saw him play more snaps, then maybe they would have got a better look at him and everybody would have been looking around saying, wow, this guy's too good, we got to go get him. Now the good news is he redoes his deal, so he wants to be here. Or does he? I think that he'd rather make $10 million being the quarterback for New England because he's better than Cam Newton. Marcus Mariota is better than... Then Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a good player, but a backup quarterback, who's going to be the starter with the Washington Football Club. So for Marcus Mariota, I have fun saying this. I believe that I would rank him number one as the best backup quarterback in football. Wouldn't you? I mean, who would you put ahead of him as the best backup quarterback? Now, New Orleans has Taysom Hill, Jason Winston, and Jameis Winston's going to be the starter. Hey, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is going to be the backup in Philadelphia. Joe Flacco had one of the greatest postseasons of all time. Flacco is exactly what you want for a backup. Pro, a pro's pro who can come in and win you games. So that's what a backup quarterback does. They're ready to play. They're ready to play at a very high level. And if they're able to go out and win, they can win at a very high level. And here's the hook, everybody. God forbid Derek Carr goes down with an injury then Mariota could come in and the Raiders can continue to win. And that is very important going forward. Because in order for the Raiders, who are 40-1, to to win the Super Bowl, which Vegas thinks no chance, what's going to have to happen is Carr's going to have to have a Pro Bowl year, which I believe he will. He's going to have to play at a very high level, but he has an inferior offensive line than he had last year. There's no argument that this is an inferior offensive line to what Carr is used to. But I haven't been panicking on this offensive line front because I knew and I pretty much, we all knew that Trent Brown wasn't coming back. So you got to get that out of your head. Gabe Jackson was highly expensive. Okay, I would have liked to have seen Gabe back. And Rodney, Rodney didn't want to be here. For more and more from what we're hearing, Rodney did not want to be here. So you could say, well, Rodney wants to win more. Okay, he's going to Arizona. had the same record as the Raiders. If Rodney wanted to win more, then I don't know. Could he get a job with the Buccaneers? Or could he get a job with the Chiefs? Because the Chiefs rebuilt their offensive line. So I wanted Rodney to stay. I wanted Gabe to stay. And then the Raiders need a right tackle. Well, what Mariota's contract does now is it gives the Raiders the opportunity now to go out and get more players and add players the way they're adding to this defensive line. We got two of the defensive linemen coming up for the Raiders who need to play well. And I'm gonna to talk to them next hour, so I'm excited about that. For Marcus Mariota, remember this soundbite from a local radio station in Hawaii on how excited he was to originally come to the Silver and Black.
3: I'm just excited to be a Raider. You know, everyone talks about Las Vegas being a ninth island, and for me this is the closest I can get to playing from my hometown. And um That in itself was just such a special opportunity, and I'm just excited to come back and
2: get ready to go. All right, so he's going to be ready to go, and he's a great backup quarterback. Now, I had a couple of people tweet at me. A couple of people say, hey, JT, why don't they work Mariota more into the offense and use him more in third down or running situations instead of Derek Carr? Now, that is a very interesting topic, and let me tell you why it's interesting. Because this is what happened to Drew Brees. Drew Brees came out of the game for who? Taysom Hill. How'd that work out? Worked out really good. They're in the playoffs every year. So as Derek told me on the show last year, and we haven't talked to Derek in a long time, Derek's got to run more. Period. Not you want Carr to run more. Or you hope that Carr runs more. No, 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 no. He has to run more. He, He has no choice. First off, the offensive line isn't as good. So he's going to be pressured outside the pocket. Don't don't we all agree on this? If the offensive line isn't as good and Derek gets forced out of the pocket, what do you want to see Derek do? Here are your options. Throw it away. Throw it into traffic or run. I would like to see him run. If he does that, there's an opportunity that he could get hurt. So if it's third and one, why not bring Derek out of the game and put in Mariota? Or third and two, not for a quarterback sneak, but to read a play, do a read option, and pick up a first down, and have Derek come back—I don't know—but it's got to be something that is available in the Gruden offense. Tomorrow, I'll be at the facility. I'm MCing a coach's clinic for all the high school coaches, virtually, in all of Nevada, and I'll be the MC for that. And it's going to be John Gruden, Gus Bradley, Rod Marinelli, and Marcus Arroyo, the head coach of UNLV, and his staff. And it's un- it's unfortunate that we can't be together because of COVID protocol, which we were going through yesterday. I wasn't here yesterday, so I'll be there tomorrow to have an opportunity to talk talk to Coach Gruden, but I'm not going to be able to ask him this on a Zoom cast with high school coaches. But the one thing that John Gruden's got to do better, because it's not me saying it, it's Peter King, it's NFL Insiders, it's Lewis Riddick. Everybody wants to see Coach Gruden expand with his vision of red zone offense. I mean, he's been beating himself up on that topic as hard as any of you's guys are. Even the Twitter tough guys who get in my DMs. Oh, I agree with you. I think that Gruden's offense has got to be more explosive and unique with Edwards and Waller, two oversized strong receivers who should be running crossing routes at the five-yard line. Who the hell's going to guard Waller lining up on the left side? Edwards on the right side, these two gigantic human beings running a crossing route across the middle of the end zone, who in God's name is going to pick up both of them? That would be nobody. So we need to see possibly a more dynamic vision of this offense in the red zone. Because John Gruden did an unbelievable job with the offense last year with Greg Olson and Johnny Morton and the coaches. Look at the numbers Waller put up. Look at the numbers Carr put up. Look at the numbers... And where the offense is ranked. From the 20 to the 20, I don't know many Raider fans that have a debate on this. Other than when Gruden decides to run on first down. And when Gruden decides to run on second down. But everybody seems to have a criticism with what the Raiders do with their red zone offense. And my big theory on this is that Derek Carr has the ability to change every play. Now he might get yelled at. He might get a scowl looking at him. But Derek Carr could look over at the sideline anytime he wants and goes, no way. I'm out of that play. I'm going to run in for a touchdown. I'm out of that play. I'm going to change that play from going to Waller and I'm going to hit Renfro on a four-yard slant for a touchdown. This is Derek Carr's bleeping offense. Derek Carr has to play at a higher level. That's not a criticism. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. But he's got to get better Because the league has better quarterbacks coming in behind him and better quarterbacks who are much, much older by a lot. That would be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers who are older than him who are playing better than him. So I'm not asking for Derek Carr to be better than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not asking Derek Carr or you are to be better than Lamar Jackson running the football. That's impossible. But Derek's got to be better in red zone When this team needs to score touchdowns and not kick field goals. What role will Marcus Mariota play there? Here's what I think could happen, which could be very interesting, is that we could be talking about Marcus Mariota being traded, unfortunately, if a quarterback gets hurt. So if one of these top quarterbacks get hurt in training camp, which is highly likely because of COVID, they're not working out as much. Someone pops an Achilles, someone blows out their knee, then they call the Raiders and the Raiders trade Mariota. And then what do the Raiders do for a backup quarterback? This is a really important topic. And I thought my teammate Vinny laid it out beautifully at the Review Journal. Here's the deal. The Raiders have a luxury now because Mariota redid his deal at a cheaper price to have a great backup quarterback. They might need him. They could use him more. But if, if he was going to want $10 million, no way. They can't afford it. The Raiders aren't good enough to to have a $10 million backup quarterback. We all agree? They're not good enough. This is a luxury to have. The team that should have the most expensive backup is Tampa with Tom Brady. He's 43. If there's ever anybody who's going to hit the wall and get hurt, it would be Tom Brady, and they don't even have that. So this is where we stand today. I'd like your opinion as we open up the show on what you think is going to happen to Marcus Mariota. 702-365-9200. And let me be a little bit more specific. What do you think's going to happen with his playing time? With the ability for him to get traded? Or the concern you have for Derek with the offensive line until it gets better with maybe another free agent signing or what they decide to do with the draft pick? Man, I'm getting damn nervous that they're going to draft the right tackle. I am. I'm getting damn nervous because I stay in my lane. I'm not Mike Mayock. It's my opinion don't matter. But I got about four linebackers who are badass who are badass edge rushers four of them probably two will be available after 17 and i want to see the raiders take a linebacker who can rush the quarterback tackle in space and cover and there are a couple of outstanding ones early i just hope mayock puts the blinders on and gets one of those guys because a young right tackle is going to get beat He's going to get beaten, burned, because he's a young right tackle. But they they need a right tackle, and they need a free safety. And I'm done trying to figure out, and I think Gus Bradley's going to do a great job at this, especially in film study with Mike Mayock. I think they got to get If they get a safety and they get him in the draft, the guy just better be able to play center field. Just stay back. Please, please stay the hell back. Just be 30 yards deep and knock down passes. I don't need to see you make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. The Raiders need a center fielder like Willie Mays that can just catch the ball when it's thrown to him because they're going to go with John Abram. It seems like they're going with Trayvon Mullen. Get on the bus with Gus is going to give Arnett another chance to do this. With those guys playing after their performance last year, you better hope there's a center fielder out there who wants to come to the Raiders on the cheap. I got a list of a few of them that can go make plays. So really busy show, and again, we like to take phone calls fast. The show's two hours, it goes quick. We got a lot of sponsors I gotta get in, a lot of our partners, dial the phone number, and get into the longest running Raiders radio show of all time. This show that has put more Raider fans on radio than any show ever dreamed of. We wanna hear the best of the best. 702-365-9200. A lot of NBA news in the tournament as we have the sweet 16 and the golden knights look great in their last game i mean fantastic let's keep talking about them more and more golden knights to come to this show from noon to two we'll give you that coverage that you've come to expect from me eric start us off on raider nation radio how are you E? good how are you doing well go ahead buddy how are you
1: well i'm doing great jt thanks for having me on and I'm just glad that Mariota, you want to know about Mariota. Like you said, that Rodney Hudson didn't want to be here. He wants to be here, and he's a class act for negotiating his contract. As you know, we talk all the time. I'm a big Derek Carr guy, and you said that, okay, he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers and and Tom Brady. That's a given. But go back to 2015 and 2016 when Bill Musgrave was the offensive coordinator. We saw Derek Carr played an elite level in 2016 I'll argue with anybody, that's an that's a, uh, MVP candidate if mm-hmm. he doesn't go down and yep. break his leg. So he has the talent to do it. I just think that he hasn't, since the 2016 season, or maybe 2017, he hasn't been comfortable with two wide receivers. When he had Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, he was very comfortable going on either side of the field. So we have to build that up. So as far as that goes, you know, I, I, I think – I'm not as uh, Debbie Downer on this team. I love a lot of their free agent moves. Like you're going to have Solomon Thomas on later. I love Quentin Jefferson, who, by the way, strip tacked Derek Carr in the Buffalo game, if everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. I, think John, I think John Brown, I really believe this. I think he's a faster, a little shorter, a faster Nelson Aguilar who gave us everything he could last season. So I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on not getting a right tackle. We've got to go edge rusher with the 17th with the, uh, pick in the draft. But we do have two number threes, right? We've got two number fives, and I do agree with that. I do agree. I'm going to say something right now that, that I really believe that Mike has got to hit a home run on this draft.
3: Yeah.
1: That's going to be everything from turning us from an 8-8 eight eight team to an 11-5 team, which we should have been last year with leads against Kansas City. Minute 34 to go. 19 seconds, JT, against Buffalo. What, 54, 57 seconds? You were talking about the first time going to three against the Chargers. We lost all those games because we couldn't get a stop. So, Derek Carr and is the reason why we had eight wins last year. If we didn't have mm-hmm. Derek Carr as our quarterback last year, we're a 4-12 team. So, uh, what can I tell you? That, that That's my Raider rant. Um, I want to thank you, JT. JT, everyone was on our podcast yesterday. I do a podcast with Jimmy Vigilani. It's called Jimmy V Live. It's yeah. called We're on once a week. Uh, very heavily Las Vegas oriented. I'm, I'm the Raider maniac, and Jimmy's a – uh, a golden knights guy but we talked everything we're going to preview the baseball season that's coming up and jt was kind enough to to give us his wisdom and 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 be on the show yesterday and jt we can't thank you enough
2: thanks eric i appreciate it i really enjoyed it give my best to jimmy and uh where can we find the podcast where is the podcast at the, the, uh,
4: i
1: apologize the podcast is on facebook live and youtube so right. you'll you'll type in jimmy V live sports nucleus and We're on Sundays or Mondays, and I'll be on Facebook and YouTube and and giving out when we're going to be on what times.
2: Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Eric Snyder covered the Raiders during the original Gruden years, and he's been on the radio many years out here in Vegas, and I enjoyed being on his podcast. I uh, blogged a new podcast today with Looney with the co-author of my book, The Handoff, Alan Eisenstock, who's a really acclaimed author who wrote the most recent book, Hang Time, on the life of Elgin Baylor. And he wrote it when Elgin was alive. He was the last person to put out an unbelievable book on Elgin Baylor. Uh, That podcast is going to drop a little bit later today. You know, when it comes to Derek Carr, yeah, that 2016 season was special. And he was an MVP candidate. And we've talked about that all the time. Now the goal is he's got to get out and do it again. And he, he can do it. Henry Ruggs III was drafted very high to be great, to be super elite. He's got, to have that. He's got to have that year this year. No doubt about it, Hunter Renfro's got to have a monster year. Not a good year. I'm talking a great year. Julian Edelman. He's Julian Edelman. Let him get the touches that Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, and Julian Edelman got in New England. You know, third and Renfro sounds good. I'd like first, second, and third in Renfro. Let's get him the ball a little bit more. The Raiders are loaded in the backfield they have two featured backs two backs that can explode on any handoff for 14 to 15 yards so they have an unbelievable running game but will the running game be able to be as good with this offensive line that still needs to be tweaked a bit and then with all the players that the Raiders have brought in all of them on the defensive line all I care about are the guys who make the team whole bunch of guys are here whole bunch of guys are there that got brought in for a look. And I don't know who's going to make the team. You notice I'm not spending a ton of my time on that. We got Yannick Ngakwe on here at the top of the hour because he's the guy who's got to be the stud. Rest of the guys got to make the team. 702-365-9200. Matt's in Hoboken. Matt, how are you? Thanks for calling. What do you got?
4: What's up, JT? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my concern is, is that um, I feel like we definitely upgraded on the defensive line, obviously, in yeah. Gakwe. I do think there's a lot of guys who we brought in, like you just mentioned, that either won't make the team or will be cut because it's just mm-hmm. by proxy of numbers. We have so many defensive linemen at this point that you just can't keep them all on the roster just by Absolutely. proxy of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but my concern is, is that we really didn't, didn't upgrade much personnel in the second and third levels of the defense. And I understand that they, they're confident in their young guys. But I think it was pretty obvious that we needed some veteran presence, some more veteran presence besides Ngakwe, you know, especially in the second or third level uh, going Mm -hmm. into this offseason season season that we haven't acquired yet. Now, Gus Bradley is obviously going to be an upgrade, I think, from Gunther. But, Mm -hmm. you know, unless Gus Bradley is Buddy Ryan, you know, we still need personnel. You know, we need – and even Buddy Buddy had personnel. So we need – we just need some better personnel, I think, in the secondary. I'm a little concerned, you know, Mm -hmm. right now that – we may not be able to get someone who's going to be really effective at this point.
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. I still think one of the reasons why they renegotiated the Mariota contract was to possibly get one of these corners, veteran quarters or safeties who are still available. There's a bunch of safeties that are on the free agent market that have not been claimed yet. They're they're, they're available that the Raiders are shopping right now as we speak. I'll know more about that, I think, tomorrow. So I, I think, and I appreciate the call, Matt, I think the Raiders are still looking to do to bring in a veteran free safety. And I know they're looking at a right tackle, but you know they, we know what they're, like Mike Pritchard said on his show, we know what they're going with. They're going with Kudkowski. They're going with Littleton and Morrow and linebacker. That's what they got. My goal, which is I got it right with Ngakwe, and I hope to get this next thing right. I believe that they're going to trade up. I hope they trade up to get one of the super elite edge-rushing linebackers. I don't care what position he plays. If he's better than Littleton, move Littleton. If he's better than Kwiatkowski, move Kwiatkowski. If he's better than Morrow, sit Morrow, period. you got to get one of these studs that are coming out of Michigan, Penn State, Miami that are going to just be able to wreak havoc and they can play linebacker and tackle. You know, we're going through this, and I'm going to ask this to Yannick Gakway coming up. When we, when we look at these moves now, How about we get the best defensive tackler that plays linebacker and put him on the team? Do we got a problem with that? Get a linebacker who can tackle. Not a linebacker who used to tackle with the Rams and we got to coach him to tackle again. Go get one. Remy Martin is taking team up for excellence to a higher level as they team up with Raider Nation Radio. I want to remind you when you're celebrating any of your team's victories, Make sure you celebrate with a Remy Martin cognac. Steve Sylvester will join us, Yannick
0: Ngakwe, at the top of the hour. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's. With five locations in the valley, 100 years of coal-fired brick oven pizza.
2: JT, back with you as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by the henderson Hyundai Superstore, proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Why pay more? The henderson Hyundai Superstore has the lowest prices in the Valley. Thrilled to talk to Steve Sylvester. Joins us once a Raider, always a Raider. Steve, pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks so much for coming on. How you been?
5: I've been great, JT. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: How often are you asked about your three rings? I mentioned before you came on Cliff. I saw Cliff Branch use you as the trivia question for the Raiders who have the three rings and played on all the three teams. Do you still enjoy that when you hear those stories about Cliff?
5: Well, of course. I mean, God, Cliff was great. What a great receiver he was. What a great team player he was. Man, I'm sorry he's gone, but... uh, His legacy uh, will live forever, obviously, and uh, his three rings, and I was so fortunate to be a part of those teams. Such great players and uh, uh, such a great opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I get asked about it a lot.
2: Steve, what I find amazing, David Hum used to talk to me about that all the time, too, and bring you up. And, you know, I'm in Vegas and Hummer, and you know the role he has here. And I, I believe in fate, fate in my life, your life, and everybody's. But, When you get picked 259 overall, if you get picked by the Bengals or the Rams or the Lions, your whole story is completely different and I'm sure you would have been a successful football player, but talk about the journey of you coming out of Notre Dame and how you became a Raider and what was so unique about your draft process.
5: Well, I mean, it's a long story, and we don't have that much time. But I'll just tell you that uh, it was my great fortune to be drafted by the Raiders. And, uh, obviously, Ron Wolf. I talked to Ron about it post uh, my career and a little bit to Mr. Davis uh, about, you know, why and what. But Dave Casper actually had a lot to do with that. He he actually put – I played with Dave in college. He was a year ahead of me. And uh, Ghost and I roomed together on the road uh, with the Raiders one year and then also one year – in, uh, at Notre Dame. So he helped a lot, too, put in a good word for me. And, and things fell into place when I got to camp. And, and there were a series of events that happened, and Jim Otto, who I love Jim Otto so much, couldn't get through training camp that year, and they needed a center, JT. They needed a backup center because J- Pops, had re- Pops Otto had basically, um, I mean, he tried and tried and tried, but he couldn't fight through that last knee injury. And uh, I had never played center before, and they tried all the rookies in camp at center and some of the veterans, and, and I guess they liked what I, uh, what I did. And I was fortunate to uh, make my way onto the roster that first year, which was 1975 as a center. And um, so, yeah, really lucky, really incredible series of events. And, uh, and, a, and a nine-year career, which was very, very, very lucky and uh, very blessed.
2: Steve Sylvester joins us. It was more than luck. It was grit and determination. And you mentioned Pops. When it comes to Jim Otto and an AFL legend and a Hall of Famer, and he it seemed like he waited, he kept playing to hold on, to hold on all of those high, big losses in championship games, and he misses out on the Super Bowl victory. And then your career, you come in at the perfect time and catch all three rings. But along the way, Steve, there was still some high-profile losses, and big games but was the big storyline you were always in monster regular season games in practice in preparation for going to the playoffs playing in Super Bowls winning Super Bowls you were in the greatest era in the history of the silver and black
5: I don't think there's I I, I never could uh I tell people I play with the greatest players and the greatest games that, that that I think ever were in, yeah. in the National Football League certainly during that era and uh yeah, I was. What great players that I had the opportunity to be on the same team with. And you mentioned Jim Otto, and I, oh, I mentioned him first, and you mentioned him again. I mean, I often think. I mean, Jim Otto, fifteen years with the Raiders, never missed a game, and never, never won a Super Bowl. And uh, here I was, you know, because Jim Otto couldn't get through training camp that year. And God, I loved Jim so much, and what a great mm-hmm. player he was, Hall of Famer, obviously. And and I was the one uh, that 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 that. Obviously, made the team and and came after Jim as a backup, as a backup, not a starter. But uh, yeah, I often think about that. And I wrote Jim a letter, and I, I visited Jim a year ago, out in out in California. And I think the world of him. But yeah, I played during an incredible, incredible era for the Raiders.
2: It it truly is a great story. Steve Sylvester joins us, three time Super Bowl champ. All right, a couple of things. We'll go a little bit quicker here because I got a lot to get into. What was sure. it like practicing and playing with? Up, Sean Shell.
5: Uh, they were the consummate pros. I mean, uh, Art Shell was one of the best offensive tackles that ever lived, um, and he was a quiet leader. I mean, when, Al, when, when Art spoke, everybody listened, and Art just got the job done. Gene, on the other hand, he was a mouthpiece for the organization. I love Gene. Gene was the greatest leader, the greatest leader on a football field that I've ever been around. And Gene was not only a great leader but a great player. He and he and Al Davis. I mean. Gene uh, was the eyes and ears for Al Davis on the football team, and and that had a lot to do with, with all those Super Bowl uh, those Super Bowl uh, wins, those AFC Championship games. Gene Upshaw and Al Davis, and uh, those two guys, Art and uh, Gene, were incredible, great players, great guys. Steve,
2: Steve Sylvester's is our guest. All right, I want to ask you about Madden and Flores. Uh, was it true everything that John Madden said? Play like hell on Sundays practicing you got Ted Hendricks coming in on a horse you have some of the biggest cast of characters in the history I'm talking from your first Super Bowl to the last Super Bowl that you won how did Madden and especially Flores when he took over as head coach how did he deal with the parties the characters the preparation and keep you guys all on the same page
5: yeah you know you know there are two totally different coaches I mean John John uh, I mean he was uh he was a tough coach. He was a fair coach. Um, he was very vocal, really smart. His number one thing: he knew players. He knew how to get the best out of players. And John kept guys in line. He kept guys in line because everyone respected him. And uh, he he was he was the best. I'll tell you, Tom Flores, during the time that he was with the Raiders, I mean, Tom was a real intel. Not that John wasn't, but. Uh, Tom was real intelligent. He was a very quiet leader. Uh, He, he, he actually kept people in line to finding them if they got in trouble. Okay. They got out of line. Tom was a quiet leader, but everybody respected Tom too. And two Super Bowls from Tom who could have been more lucky. I mean, what a, what a great guy and a great offensive mind and allowed his defensive uh, coaches to kind of do their thing on defense. And, uh, Al Davis, um, and, and, uh, Ron Wolf, they brought in the players and, uh, That's a great
2: combination. Steve Sylvester, as we wrap it up, let's talk about the fans and what these fans mean to you from Oakland to Los Angeles. Notre Dame, Steve. I mean, I didn't get get a chance to get into that deep with you. You played at Notre Dame in front of touchdown. Jesus, the grotto, the big games there. All the fans you've interacted throughout your life, what did the fans mean to you?
5: Oh, everything. I mean, it, it was so exciting. I mean, this past year with the virus, I mean, it's really sad to watch teams play and very few, if any fans in the stands, but the Raider fans, I mean, they were unbelievable. I asked a guy one time, I said, you know, you know, the tickets were $20 a piece. I said, have you ever thought about ever selling one of your, one of your tickets for a game? And, and, and he looked at me and said, are you crazy? That was part of our family. It was, it, was, it was our entire week. It was our entire year. We'd never sell a ticket to anybody else. The fans were unbelievable in Oakland. I know Las Vegas fans, they'll, they'll be the same way. And uh, Notre Dame was, was, was incredible, too. I mean, really great fans. And it's fun to play in front of people. There's nothing like people.
2: All right, Steve. The big one. Where do you keep the rings? You're one of the few who have three rings. Where do you keep them? Do you put all three of them on? How, where are the rings? And uh, tell me about what you do and when you look at them.
5: No, I, you know, I keep them in a safety deposit box at, at, a, at a local bank. And uh, if somebody asks to see them, I obviously bring them out and show them to them. But I don't. I, I don't wear any jewelry, JT. That's right. just me. I, I don't wear a wedding ring. I don't. I've been married 45 years. I just don't wear jewelry, but, you know, I'm really proud of the rings. I mean, but the memories are everything. I mean, the rings are something. They're, they're a great thing. But, you know, I think about the players. I think about the players. I think about Al Davis. I think about John Madden and Tom Flores. I think about Al Davis. I mean, I think about the fan. Think about all of that. Those memories, they can never take that away from, from anybody. and They certainly can't take them away from me. The rings are a symbol of, of, of all of that, and uh, yeah, they're, they're they're great. And uh, one, I have three daughters, and uh, upon my passing, each one will get a ring, and um, you know, which would be really nice.
2: So humble, uh, Steve. Finally, a comment on Mark Davis and his vision here in Vegas. I can't wait for you to see the stadium; it will blow you away when you're coming back as an alumni? And what do you think Mark is doing, especially the legacy from Mr. and Mrs. Davis to his vision here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium?
5: Well, Mark obviously has has hired a really great football mind, a great football man, and that's in John. John brings a culture to the team and a real fighting culture. Um, And and you know what? They're going to win. They're going to win. And Mark's smart enough to know, that a guy like John, let him make those decisions football-wise. And that's pretty much what I see that's going on. I'm only looking from the outside, not the inside. But they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And I hope that everybody's a little bit patient. It takes a long time to rebuild a team. But they're close. They're really close. And they're going to get there. And uh, John Gruden, I mean, obviously when you see them play, they play hard. They play the last second, and uh, it's really great to watch. It'll be great when they start winning. Rating at a high level and consistently at a high level. It's going to be great.
2: Thank you, Steve. Once a Raider, always a Raider. It's a high honor to talk to you, and I really appreciate it. I hope to see you very soon as the stadium opens up. We get things going in Vegas. Best to you and your family.
5: Good luck to you, JT. Thanks for having me on.
2: You got it, Steve Sylvester. Wow. I am so fortunate, so lucky to talk to gentlemen like that. So, everybody, that's what you need to know. When you look at the trivia question, Name all the Raiders who have won three, all three of the rings. Some people forget him. You just heard the interview for 12, 13 minutes. How could you forget him? How could you forget him? He's the one that everybody at the bar, and I saw Cliff do this. Cliff loved to do it because Cliff had the rings on, and Cliff was very proud of all his rings, and he would say, let me ask you, let me ask you, name all my teammates that won all the rings, and they couldn't figure out the last one. It was that guy, Steve Sylvester, very humble, Very humble from Notre Dame to the Oakland Raiders. Nine years, three Super Bowl victories, and just great. The way he described filling in for Jim Otto, Jim Otto just couldn't go in training camp, so he gets to make the team as a backup, and he goes on that journey. One of the great journeys out there. Really excited that we got him on. Really impressive man, and I want to do more of that, and I appreciate Shannon and the entire team that set it up. Hey, Bell Solar, a new partner right now hiring sales professionals. Bell Solar, a great company to work for over 10 years. The premier solar and electrical system company in all of Las Vegas. It's a woman-owned company. We had Alexa on last week. She talked all about it, and Brianne. we were excited to get into that. But, hey, they want to hire. They're a partner because they want to get you a job. How great is that? I sell beer. I sell, I sell alcohol on this show. We have you know, insurance attorneys, but they want to hire you right now at Bell Solar. Give them a call, 702-979-1277. They love the city. Bell Solar is currently hiring sales professionals. It's a company to work for, 702-979-1277. Uh, your phone call's on. What's the big picture with Mariota? Want to hear from Raider fans, does he get in games? Does he sit on the bench? Or do the Raiders trade him as soon as they can if another team wants him due to injury? So we'll do that on the other side. 702-365. 9200 is the number. Jeff Sherman joins us on the other side over from the Westgate. We'll talk about some of the moving lines. LeBron. Uh Uh-oh. They're dropping like a rock. In the MVP race, he has the new odds on the MVP of the NBA. Also, the Masters is coming up early odds from the best golf handicapper in the world. Jeff Sherman all coming up right here on Raider Nation Radio on the Raiders mobile app.
0: This is the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by PTs, Sierra Gold, Sean Patrick's, P.T.'s Ranch, the S.G. Bar, P.T.'s Gold, and P.T.'s Brewing Company.
2: JT, back with you as we continue on. March Madness in full effect. Man, this is a big weekend. On Friday, I'll be broadcasting the first-ever sports talk show from the Virgin Hotel, Virgin's Hotel, the old Hard Rock, and we're there on Friday, grand opening Thursday night. Come on by Friday and see us at the Virgin Hotel. We're really excited about that. Uh, Jeff Sherman, kind enough to join us, the VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook, over at the Westgate. Uh, Jeff, good to talk to you. I ask you every year, how was the handle through the Sweet 16, the beginning of college basketball? How did it look?
3: Well, it was solid, but it was down from two years ago. Now, remember, we didn't have a tournament last year, so we're comparing to a couple years ago, so it was down compared to that. But it was still relatively solid considering what we're going through during this time.
2: All right. I think that's interesting because it being canceled last year during the conference tournaments, everybody had that money parked on the sidelines and using it for college football and the NFL. Did you feel that there was a pent-up demand because you see these customers up close at your book where they just don't want to bet on a game. They want to bet on all the games in the first, second round. What was it like this year with limited capacity?
3: Yeah, it was still there was still a lot of energy. It was, I would say it was controlled chaos this year. You know, with the fifty percent that we could do. But uh, Friday was extremely busy. It somewhat tapered off Saturday, which was interesting, but picked up again Sunday, especially when you had the two early uh, games with the one seeds, and then even into Monday, which you know we haven't had in the past. It's always ended on a Sunday, but we had the extra Monday instead of Thursday. Uh, So that was some energy yesterday. So overall, it was a really solid weekend from that perspective.
2: Jeff Sherman joins us. Tell me what it was like with Illinois going out. I had them to win it all. And obviously the liability that you would have had on Illinois. Most people I talked to, so many people I've interviewed, had Gonzaga and Illinois. What was it like when the Illini went out?
3: Yeah, that was our largest decision we had over the first four days. And that was basically a large NFL decision for us. You know, everyone bet Illinois minus a seven money line teased, uh in a standalone game by itself like that. Um, and like you mentioned, we had large liability on Illinois winning the title. So uh, it, was a, it was a very important game and, uh, you know, a tough one. But, you know, the public came back and tried to get it back the rest of the day, uh, got involved and got some of the late games back.
2: Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, the Super Bowl. Tell me about the odds now on Loyola Chicago going forward after that win and how you adjusted.
3: Yeah, they're down to 18 to 1. And, you know, in the middle of the season, you could have found them as we were as high as 200 to 1. And we actually took some sharp money on them. And right now, they're a small liability for us. But we're still getting a lot of bets on them at 18 to 1. Right now, they're the most popular team out of the 16 remaining. uh, And they're plus 190 right now to win their region. So a little bit of work to do left. But uh, they're already seeing some support uh, in the point spread, too, uh, as a six and a half point favorite against Oregon
2: State. I was surprised to see Oregon at 50 to 1, USC 30 to 1. Clearly, one of those two teams are going to be knocked out as they play each other. Uh, touch on a couple of these teams, especially the California schools, USC and UCLA.
3: Well, USC coming off the blowout like they had over Kansas, now everyone's going to look to support them. So we went 30 to 1. Oregon, we're in a great position. We actually raised them up to 60 to 1 now just because we do so well on them. And if you look at the point spread in the game, we opened that game Oregon minus one. Now it's USC minus two and a half, and that's all sharp money. So, with that swing, you can see the reflection in the in the uh, future book. And as far as UCLA goes, you know they were 300, 300 to one recently. They're down to sixty to one, uh, but they're not getting supported too much in their game against Alabama. We opened Alabama four and a half, and it's up to six.
2: Uh, sir, uh, uh, Houston, I believe opened up at minus six against Syracuse. Where do you have them now with Buddy Behime? In Syracuse, I know my Syracuse buddies like getting points with Jim Bayheim and Buddy Bayheim. How do you have that game?
3: Yeah, we opened six. We're still currently six, but they are a popular dog, so we do expect to see some underdog support this weekend on them.
2: And finally, Gonzaga, everybody, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago, Gonzaga against the field. Gonzaga, I like the way Lon Kruger and Oklahoma played them. They get a couple more rebounds late in the second half of that game and a stop and put some in and get to the free throw line. I'm not saying they would have won the game, but that was a much closer score than the final effort there. Uh, tell me about Gonzaga and how many, how many fans are in on Gonzaga now all the way.
3: Yeah, it's 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 crazy because like you mentioned, Oklahoma did everything they could against them and they still didn't cover the spread, losing by 16 when it got as high as 16. But everyone is in on Gonzaga. They win every game we've seen just about by double digits. So here we're looking at a 13 and a half point spread against Creighton and we expect to see a lot of Gonzaga support here. The tough game might come next round against USC or Oregon.
2: Jeff Sherman joins us. Let's get to the NBA MVP odds. I thought Lillard blew a golden opportunity last night in a game where he didn't show up and the country was watching him. A really big change in the MVP odds once LeBron James went down with the injury. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah,
3: LeBron was a 3-2 to two favorite for the MVP, and now that he's going to be out probably around a month, we bump him all the way up to 7-1. to one. And the benefactor of this is Nikola Jokic, where he was a 3-1 to one Uh, you know a a top choice but now he's a strong favorite at five to four followed by James Harden at six LeBron and Embiid at seven so a drastic change in those
2: odds Uh, Jeff as we wrap it up you're the best with golf Uh, I'd rather concentrate quickly here on the Masters before the events before that what are you sensing with Augusta National as some of the best golfers in the world took off last week they're over at Augusta now, trying to play practice rounds and gearing up uh, mentally and physically coming off the players. What's going on with the Masters' future odds?
3: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because you see Dustin Johnson isn't in the best form that he's been in right now. McIlroy's not doing very well. Brooks Kepka could be out six to eight months. We're waiting to find out information on that, so he's likely Whoa. to miss it. And John Rahm, uh, he's expecting a baby, and that could trickle into the Masters where he could miss it. So a lot of moving parts right there. So you might be looking at someone near the top, a Justin Thomas, that is coming off a Players' Championship win and is expected to be there in good form. So some of the guys at the top have some questionability to them.
2: Final one, Jeff. Anything in NFL free agency surprise you when it comes to a team now that could be looking much sharper than they were maybe two, three weeks ago?
3: Well, how much the Patriots have spent. Yeah. You know, we had the Patriots at 40-1, to 1, and now they're down to 25-1, to 1, and they've seen a, a lot of betting support to drive the number down there because they've just – been spending on all their positions, so that's the one that's really stood out from a betting standpoint.
2: Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy March Madness. Appreciate it.
3: All right. Thanks, JT.
2: Head on over to the Westgate, the Westgate, the Superbook for all of your needs there for high end, high end gambling at the best experience. I mean, everybody's talking about all the new sports books, and they're good. I'm positive about Vegas. Some people ask me, JT, who do you support, man? You're doing your show from Virgin's Hotel. You're down at Circa. You know, you always have guys on from the Westgate. I like everybody. I want everybody to be successful. I want everybody to be super successful. And these casino sports books, they're going to help us get this economy open. Now, you might say, whoa, what do you mean? That could be a, That could be a super spreader event. They know what they're doing. Jay Cornegay and Jeff Sherman have that play socially distanced, the booths, the TVs. What an experience for Lotus Broadcasting. Proud partner over there at the Westgate. All right, big hour coming up here. Coming up next, Yannick Ngakwe, the guy that I predicted right would be a Raider. I'm thrilled that he's with the Silver and Black. We'll talk to him. And Solomon Thomas will join us and we'll mix your phone calls in. We're wide open to talk to you, 702-365-9200. Big Raider Hour on deck, Raider Nation Radio.
0: The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Salmon Ash. If you get in an accident, call Salmon Ash at 702-820-1234. Salmon Ash, because you deserve what's right.
1: And then there were eight, team by team, round by round. Who's up?